Hello, and welcome back to the Doxology Podcast. I am Lucas Stock. And I'm Jen Snelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Well, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, or whatever it is, wherever you are. Everything in between. (laughs) Whatever you want it to be. Um, We are doing something maybe a little different, at least a little outside my comfort zone as far as topics go in terms of things that I'm familiar with or questions that I've thought about a lot before. So this is definitely a little bit of a stretch for me in terms of preparing, but also something that I'm super excited to talk about because I think there's a lot of really interesting and fun aspects to this conversation that are a little bit unique at least i can't really think of other debates or discussions going on in terms of you know the bible or theology that are quite as like in some sense easy to talk about but then in another sense difficult because there's no real way to come to a absolute conclusion you know what i mean and it's kind of funny because like at the end of the day it doesn't necessarily matter what the answer is to this question so it's kind of a unique question is what i'm trying to say um but what we are discussing is who wrote hebrews what do people think the author of hebrews you know who who was it why do they think it was this person or that person what are some of the clues or the uh reasonings that we can put together to try to attribute the letter, the epistle to the Hebrews that we have in our Bibles that we've had for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years in our Bibles, but we don't know who wrote it. How can we figure out who wrote it or what can we say about the author? And that's kind of the gist of what we're going to talk about today. So I think we're kind of just going to hop right into it and this isn't going to be like a, you know, top down, systematic, exhaustive discussion of all the ins and outs of this topic. You'll need to read probably quite a few books in order to get that, not listen to one of our little talking sessions. Um, but we are hopefully going to be able to introduce some of the major theories and then also kind of explore uh, a little bit about why those theories are believed by by some people and maybe even you know talk about what we believe what we've been yeah. convinced of as far as the authorship of hebrews so why don't you take it away to start us off yeah i mean like you said we don't know who wrote hebrews and just to i guess help clarify i so when i was a youth pastor i actually preached through the entire book of hebrews at first, I was taking it very, very, very slowly, like almost too slow for, you know, sixth through 12th grade. Um, <laughs> but towards the end of my time there, I realized like, okay, I'm this far from finishing it and I would really like to finish. So I had to like speed through a little bit of the the second half of Hebrews. But uh, I actually did. I was telling you this before we started. I, I Before we started preaching through the book, I did like an intro to Hebrews Uh, where I went over like authorship and purpose and date and, you know, all the things that you'd probably find in like a study Bible. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Bible translations. If you have uh, the ESV study Bible, for example, like go to Hebrews, 
look at author, date, occasion, theology. I just, I wanted to give like an overarching Jesus is better. Like that was the theme that I came up with for, for Hebrews. Cause that's a big part of what Hebrews is about is how Jesus is a better high priest, a better Moses, a better, um, you know, after the order of Melchizedek and the list goes on and on. Um, so within this conversation and talking about authorship, it, it comes up because for any book, uh, who wrote it is important. And this is, again, maybe way deeper than we're going to want to go for this episode. Uh, but with the divine and the human authorship, um, in a sense, the human still puts their humanness to the text. There's still um, communicating things that they've done, that they've experienced, that they know. Uh, so it's it's not just like someone suddenly like went into a trance and like was you know, being dictated by the spirit or something. And it's just this rote, um, dry text or something like this is, this is the, the, it was written by somebody. And just because we don't know, it doesn't mean it's not important. Um, and, and I know that especially in, in modern theology, there's a lot of debate about a lot of the books. People will debate, you know, who wrote revelation or who wrote, um, acts or whatever. Like there's always some book of the Bible that seems to be under scrutiny for who the author is. Uh, but as far as Hebrews goes, as far as church tradition goes, there have been a couple of people that this book, that this letter has been attributed to. Um, a number of the popular options are Paul, pretty obviously, I think, Apollos, uh, Clement, Barnabas, Timothy, Priscilla, and Luke. There are probably several others, but those are like the big ones that you're probably going to find most often. Um, and so over the course of this episode, we're going to kind of talk about, um, you know, what does Hebrews show us in the text? How can we compare the text of Hebrews to say Romans or to James or to Timothy or Peter? Um, because again, a human wrote this and a human has a certain style. If you haven't noticed, even the way that we speak has a certain style. Listen to our podcast. Go back and listen to all 100 episodes, and you'll you'll notice that Lucas has a distinct style in which he speaks, and and I also have a distinct style in which I speak, and that's often translated onto a page when we write. We have a voice, um, and so what what does the text indicate as we, um, you know, as we read it? Is, does it seem like it's something that Paul wrote? Does it seem like something that maybe James or Apollos or, you know, it's, it's hard to say, especially for the people that we don't have other biblical texts for. Um, but before we jump into like Paul, Paul is, I think, one of the bigger ones just because he wrote much of the New Testament. He He's sort of been like the majority of church history uh, who we believe has, has written this letter. Um, but regardless of if it was Paul or somebody else, the author was likely a very close associate of Paul, if it was not Paul. Uh, the author was also able to write in a rhetorically ornate Greek style. So the Greek that is found in Hebrews is very ornate. It's, it's not your common average Greek. Uh, the author had also become a Christian out of Judaism as opposed to some, you know, pagan religion or just, uh, you know, as being a Greek person living somewhere in the, you know, the Grecan Roman or the Greco Roman world. Uh, and, and lastly, the, the author's understanding of the doctrine of salvation was highly compatible with what the apostle Paul taught, um, though creatively distinctive. 
Um, so they're, they're, and I think maybe we'll get into this now, uh, but I guess, what does Hebrews show us? So if we're going to talk about authorship, if we're going to deduce who wrote the letter to the Hebrews, what does the text itself show us? Um, because internally the evidence, uh, you know, I, I think personally, as we're going to see that it indicates somebody other than Paul, um, even though, again, that's been the majority view throughout church history. I think, I think it is somebody else, but here's some of the internal evidence against Paul, uh, that I've sort of gathered here. Um, but the style of Hebrews, except for the closing verses, is is really unlike any of the other writing that we have from Paul, which isn't to say that Paul didn't write it just because he wrote in a different style. I mean, it's possible he could have just written in a different style. That's perfectly plausible. Um, but in keeping with the style, I guess, of a person well-educated in formal rhetoric, the Greek of Hebrews is highly literary and very ornate, like I said. So this is above and beyond your common person, what your average person would have known. Uh, the vocabulary is also very sophisticated in that it includes 150 words that are not found elsewhere in the New Testament. So um, I, I probably should have like thought of some off the top of my head, but um, there's, there's a lot that Hebrews has to say that you really don't find elsewhere in the New Testament. And apparently there are also 10 words that do not occur in any other Greek writings that have survived in our, you know, academia, the, the, the stuff that we have in original Greek. Apparently there are 10 words that aren't even found in other writings. So just to kind of give you an idea of the language that is used within the book itself, um, the structural additionally of the epistle uh, conforms to conventions found in Greek, Greek rhetoric used when a speech was designed to persuade an audience. So think of like your high school persuasive speech in speech class. Like you're, you're getting up to present a case and you're trying to persuade your audience. Um, that's sort of how this is structured. Whoever wrote this was writing to uh, convince people of something. Um, and so much of this rhetorical achievement is actually kind of lost when Greek is translated into a modern language. Uh, but in the original, it's elegant, um, very, you know, beautiful Greek prose. It's, it's not, again, going back to that, that uh, conversation on Bible translations, it, especially when we go for a literal one-to-one, -one, sometimes we can use some of the flowery, beautiful um, language, descriptive language that's used when we're just converting it into another language because idiom and um, syntax and those sort of things change from one language to another. Um, but really the, the highly rhetorical writing found within Hebrews indicates that the author um, most likely had the most advanced literary education of any of the New Testament writers. So when we compare Hebrews to John or Matthew or Mark or Luke, this author is probably the most educated and the most elegant in his written prose. Um, or her, I guess, because we did mention Priscilla. Um, and the other thing, the last thing that I'll sort of add here is that the author does not identify themselves, which is something that Paul almost always did. You know, he'd say something like, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. Or he would say, you know, Paul, an apostle called by Jesus Christ to deliver the gospel or whatever it might be. Usually his letters had a greeting and a salutation, like a, you know, a a benediction saying, you know, I long to come see you or um, give my greetings to this person. These are things that you really don't find in Hebrews that you would find elsewhere with Paul, 
which again is not to say that Paul didn't write this, um, but it is an indicator that might show that someone other than Paul wrote this. Um, I'm curious if you know this off the top of your head, Lucas, when, when we talk about like the different styles of Greek, do you know how there's like lesser, I'm trying to remember what like books are lower Greek. Like it's not as, um, is it like Mark or Luke? Like, does somebody have like a less sophisticated Greek when we translate it? I think generally speaking, some of the books that are considered, you know, easier uh, in terms of the language, in terms of the writing would be like John. Um, there's there's a lot of tension over the authorship of of First Peter and Second Peter because they have very different styles and Second Peter mm-hmm. seems to have a much more uh advanced style i guess or or skillful style um um i think mark is is also a fairly simple style compared to somebody like paul um and and a lot of that has to do with the fact that john was a fisherman and paul was a rabbi you know or or a, a student in in the you know in in modern terms um paul was was an academic in a way that john never was it would be like if like your common businessman versus like a theologian, like they're going to write very different theologically and just their prose. Yeah. And that's not to say that one is better than the other, but it's just the difference of education, difference of occupation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's really helpful. I'm, I'm really surprised that there are 10 words that aren't in any Greek body of writing that that we have today that's, i'm trying that's to remember because I, I, I mean it's not in that Hebrews, seems like a really high that, number to yeah to have like that seems like that seems like a really high number to have in one book words that don't show up anywhere else not just don't show up in the new testament but don't show up anywhere else that's just that's really interesting that's really interesting yeah yeah and i don't i can't remember what words specifically um but I know that even like Paul, it's believed that he coined the term theonoustos, which means God breathed. Like that, that, that's, that structure of those two words together hadn't existed anywhere else until he had sort of coined it. So like when we, especially when we consider like the content that's being written, mm-hmm. it isn't that surprising. It's not like it's the Odyssey or the Iliad where it's just a story or something, but like to talk about this high priest, this, this great high priest, uh, how great Jesus is like. Again, I wish I knew some of the words offhand, but I'm sure it it ten does seem high, you're right, but again, that's maybe that's a something that is incorrect in research, but that's that's something that I found. So Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You've mentioned a couple of times how a lot we might even say we might I, I mean, I don't really I can't necessarily say that this is hundred percent true, but like Many people in church history, if not most, or at least most in terms of time, um, have often attributed Hebrews to Paul. Like you mentioned, despite all of this evidence, there is also this, the the side of people who think it was Paul or have thought it was Paul, right? And something I did just just... Just quickly scanning through the footnotes in the books that I happen to have on my shelf, I found um, 
St. Cyril of Alexandria, St. John Chrysostom, St. Gregory the Great, and St. Athanasius the Great all attribute Hebrews to Paul at some point in their writings. And it's it's not like the the, the books that I'm referencing are, are not books about, they're not commentaries, they're not sermons on Hebrews, they're as Paul says, and then a quote from Hebrews. Or and if they don't even, it's not even like controversial. They're just that's just right. what they're saying. Um, and that is, you know, that's like it. Just it. It seems as we can kind of see, you know, that 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 grouping of of four people spans a few different cities in the empire and a few different centuries in time. Um, so we can kind of see how. This is a, you know, it's not a, you know, saying that uh, Paul wrote Hebrews is certainly not a fringe thing, you know, um, Gregory the Great, Athanasius the Great. I mean, those two have great in their names, you know, like they're pretty significant figures. Um, so it, and I'm not saying that's an argument that he wrote it as much as it's an, it's a note that these, it, it was something that was present in the fathers in the early church that Hebrews came from Paul. However, it was not everywhere, you know, or, or, or everyone by any stretch that said that or, or that were, were convinced of that. And there, I found a, uh, an article from the Criswell Theological Review by David Lewis from 2011, I think, or I'm sorry, uh, David Allen, David Lewis Allen. Um, I think he, at least at the time of the, the time that the article was published, uh, I think he taught at Southern, maybe Southwestern. I can't remember. Um, but I'm not familiar with any of his work. But but he wrote a really interesting article that I kind of scanned through um, in preparing called The Authorship of Hebrews, Historical Survey of the Lucan Theory. Um, so we're going to get into a little bit some of the views that involve Luke. But, but one thing I just kind of want to highlight is... Um, he cites Eusebius, the the great church historian, where we get a lot of information about the early couple of centuries of the church. Um, and he actually says, apparently, that the the in the Western church, through the third century, um, it was not the common view that Paul wrote Hebrews. So in mm-hmm. the West, you know... Um, Three of the four names I cited were Eastern fathers. Gregory the Great was 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 a pope. He was from Rome, but um, and he was a little later. But um, so there we do kind of see this this uh, I was going to say not misunderstanding like like disagreement in the sense mm-hmm. of it's not a universal testimony the way that it's not the Catholic belief the Catholic yeah yeah, yeah. at least in the at least. Uh, at least in a certain period of time, right, you know, it right. seems, it seems to have sort of gained popularity in over the course of history, um, which might be because it's true and more people were believing it, or it might just be that more people were hearing it and then they stopped, you know, asking questions about it because they just figured it was, a, you know, that was the answer. Um, I, I don't know. Um, so I, I thought that was kind of interesting. And I think it is interesting to to think like it in some ways, you know, I, what is it? Occam's razor, um, you know, whatever's the most 
simple explanation is most likely to be the explanation. In some ways, I think it is kind of, if, if you know, not taking into consideration all of the, the details, like in terms of language and all that kind of stuff, just, just from like a bird's eye view, it does kind of seem to be maybe not the most likely that Paul wrote it. I mean, there are other authors of the New Testament, but he did write a lot. He wrote a lot of the um, more didactic books. You know, most of those are Pauline or at least attributed to him. So, you know, Hebrews kind of fits with that. A lot of people said he wrote it. You know, he wrote most of the New Testament anyway. Like you can kind of see, at least I can kind of see like how it it sort of just fits in a way. Um, and one of the things that I think reflects that is um, where Hebrews is located in the canon of the New Testament. Um, and this I'm getting from an article by uh, Greg Goswell from 2016 called Finding a Home for the Letter to the Hebrews, which was in the Journal of the Evangelical Theological Society. Um, and I'm just going to quote him. Um, Greek manuscripts commonly situate Hebrews after Philemon, and the Vulgate, which is the uh, the official Latin translation, um, the Vulgate, and hence English Bibles, conforms to the majority of late Byzantine manuscripts and places Hebrews at the end of Paul's letters. So it's either at the end of Paul's letters, which is which is what where it is in our Bibles, or it's it's after Philemon. And in in these articles, there's some more discussion about that. But it it is interesting that, you know, someone or some ones at some point put the the books in a certain order. You know, these were not written as a unit. So eventually, they kind of found their way into the order that we know them at know them in. But that isn't necessarily an arbitrary process, right? You know, it's interesting, though, and I'm curious if you yeah. came up with this or where this comes from. I remember learning at Moody. Do you know? So we do group the letters by author. So Paul's letters are grouped together. But do you know how they're ordered? Like, why does Romans come before the Corinthians? Why does, you know, what, do, do you know why that is? Do you remember? Um, I'm, I mean, his... They're organized like the Catholic epistles come before the or, or the 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 letters he wrote to individuals come after the letters he writes to churches, right? right. And so, but like they're organized by their length. So he right. Romans is the longest. That's right. Yeah, letter yeah, yeah. like Hebrews. If it, if it was like decided that it was written by Paul, would not come after Philemon if we're following that convention. Like, that's why there's still some debate, even when we choose to put Hebrews here, um, because Philemon yeah. is super short, but it also comes after a letter written to an individual. So it's almost yeah. like they're like, we'll put it kind of with Paul, uh, but we're not going to like, you know, stake any claims or anything. And like uh, major claims. Goswell, in, in this article, he he also talks about some some of the different places that it is in the different uh, manuscripts, canons. Um, it, you know, there's the way we do it where it's kind of attached to Paul's letters, but then there's also another way where it serves almost as a, as a, the way, this is the way he put it as a bridge 
between Paul's letters and the rest of the New Testament or, or you know, Interesting. The, the, the rest that comes after because the Gospels come first. But um, in terms of, you know, almost like a so again, I don't think the grouping is arbitrary. Right. Uh, like you just said, it the it the fact that it is put um, at the end of Paul's letters in our Bibles or at the end of Philemon in the Greek early Greek manuscripts does seem to indicate, you know, that well, I guess the question is, do, does that indicate it's being connected to Paul's letters or it's a new section, quote unquote, you know, after Paul, you know, th- that that's, that's a really good point. I, I, I had that, I, I remember learning that, but that I had forgotten that. So that that's a really good point in terms of, um, it's not just author that organizes the books. Um, so yeah, it, it is just, just really interesting. And I guess like in terms of talking about, about Paul, um, I, in the, um, David Allen, uh, article article that that I read through. There's there's a really I really enjoyed this quote from Origin. So remember Origin. This is pretty early. He was I think two hundreds, um, and this is what this is him speaking on the topic of of who wrote Hebrews. If I gave my opinion, I should say that the thoughts are those of the apostle refer, referring to Paul. But the, dic- the diction and phraseology are those of someone who remembered the apostolic teachings and wrote them down at his leisure, what had been said by his teacher. Therefore, if any church holds that this epistle is by Paul, let it be commended for this. But who wrote the epistle, in truth, God knows. The statement of mm-hmm. some who have gone before us is that Clement, Bishop of the Romans, wrote the epistle, and of others that Luke, the author of the gospel and the Acts, wrote it. So it's interesting to kind of see the way, you know, I, I've often heard Origen kind of referred to as like the original systematic theologian. And this feels like a very systematic sort of summary of, you know, I'm sure this comes after a lot of writing and thought or whatever, but he's kind of just like, you know, I think it sounds like Paul, but it doesn't, the language doesn't sound like him. You know, if, if you think that, that Paul that Paul wrote it, that's cool. But really, you know, we don't know. Um, here are some other views that people have said, you know, Clement, Luke, whatever. Um, and I just think it's a really good quote, like, yeah, for this episode in general, regardless of, of, of if you have an opinion, what opinion it is, you know, um, I just thought it was a really, and it was really, it, it sounds like a very modern quote to me. Um, just the, the way his thoughts are kind of going. Uh, mm-hmm. but I just thought that was an interesting quote. And, and I guess like that, that's kind of, um, really what I wanted to say about, about Paul uh, or, or the, the, you know, Paul theory or whatever we want to call it in terms of him being, being the author. So I'm, um, I think you, you have more to say specifically about Paul before we get into some of the other, some of the other views that we like, you know, like, like what origins of Clement or Luke or whatever. Um, but we'll, we'll, let's, I want to wrap up, you know, let's keep it organized. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so yeah, you, you did a good job covering, I think, like the church history, like so what what um, tradition has sort of taught and presented. So within the text, again, what does Hebrews itself say? So this is evidence in Hebrews or just in scripture um, for Pauline authorship. So um, the letter actually closes with, uh, you know, uh, the final words, uh, grace be with you all which is the same closing found in, you know, just about all of Paul's known letters. 
Um, but, you know, Peter uses a similar, though not identical, closing. Um, it's also possible that this was just like a customary close to letters in the churches of this time. You know, just like we might say, like, in Christ or um, I don't know how you close your emails or something. You know, there's always a little signature that you put like best or regards or whatever you know so maybe this was just like that equivalent uh, grace be with you all um, but th again that's language that it can be directly tied to Paul which could be evidence for um, Paul being the author I think the most compelling case though if we we're going to talk about found within scripture itself um, remember uh, that Peter wrote to Hebrews that is Jews. It wasn't to the Hebrews like we call the book, but Peter himself wrote to Hebrew people when he wrote um, Galatians. So let's see Galatians 2.7 or 1 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, but Peter wrote, quote, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. So that's 2 Peter 3.15. Um, in that last verse, Peter is at least confirming that Paul had also written a letter to the Hebrews. Uh, doesn't mean that he wrote the letter to the Hebrews that we have in our Bible. But when, when we consider what I'm saying is when you consider who Paul wrote to, he right. often wrote to Gentiles. He often wrote to, you know, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, even if there were some Hebrews or Jews there, they were predominantly Greek or predominantly Gentile. But Peter himself says, just as Paul also wrote you with wisdom. So Peter's at least acknowledging that there was something in circulation that Paul had written to Hebrew people, whether that was another letter we already have in the New Testament, uh, whether it's one that never made it into the canon because it wasn't inspired or passed around in the same ways. Um, but at, that's that's like when people cite Pauline authorship, this is like the big piece of evidence that they'll often present is that like Peter says, like, you know, Paul wrote to these Hebrew people. Um, which, I, you know, take it as you want, but I think that is a pretty compelling argument. Like, it, I could see why you would want to stake your claim there. Um, but in a little bit, I'm going to give a couple more rebuttals um, because I think it helps set up who I think wrote it. Uh, but for now, I think we'll leave it at that was Paul. I think we spent a good chunk of time talking about Mr. Mr. Paul. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, we've kind of talked about things that, that point against Paul and things that point to Paul, but it's definitely all centered on Paul, which again, he wrote most of the new Testament. He's kind of, you know, kind of a big deal when it comes to Kinda. like, you know, the beginnings of the church, but some of the other uh, names that have been put forward, we've, we've already mentioned Apollos, Clement, Barnabas, Timothy, which I haven't actually heard Timothy. That's interesting. Um, because uh, anyway. they think it's like a close associate yeah. and Timothy was a really close associate. Yeah. So they, it's kind of like even like that quote from Origin. You would where, have learned from Paul, obviously. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, Priscilla and and Luke. Um, what I thought was kind of cool is, is again, that David Allen article, he references some of like some big names from later church history. Um, so like apparently Calvin uh, was a fan of the Apollos theory. And Luther apparently thought it was Clement of Rome, which is kind of mm. cool just because yeah. it's just kind of, you know, it's just kind of out there. Like, I don't I don't know if it, if he had good or bad reasons because, you know, who knows? I'm sure he had good reasons. But um, one of the interesting things with when it comes to Luke is 
the theory that and, and origins quote that I read even kind of alludes to this a little bit. Um, he says that he thinks the thoughts are those of Paul, but the diction and phraseology are those of someone who remembered his teachings and then wrote them down later. Um, and that's one of the views that I've heard a lot as well is that um, Hebrews was a sermon that Paul preached that Luke then wrote down. Interesting. And I guess the the sort of implication there is not that he's like a scribe, you know, like a court stenographer or whatever, keeping track as he's preaching, but that maybe Paul gave him the manuscript in Hebrew and then he translated it into Greek or, or maybe it was just a letter in Hebrew or Aramaic um, that Luke translated to Greek, you know, and, and I haven't, I haven't looked into what the, like when you're reading something, that's a translation. You can, there are certain like, he like Hebrew like Hebrew isms that come out in the Greek that are not typical Greek. Like in the gospels, a lot of time we'll hear you like, and Jesus answered them saying that's like, like a very common construction that comes from Hebrew and Aramaic, the way that you, that those languages, you know, so I, I haven't, I haven't looked into the, you know, sort of the, the, textual evidence for whether or not it was a translation maybe it wasn't a translation but it was still maybe luke summarizing or you know you kind of get what i'm saying i think right Um, yeah or it was just luke like that that it was just you know this is another writing we have from luke um i the problem i have with that is how hebrew it is um in terms of theology right uh that doesn't mean that you know, as Luke was going around, as he tells Theophilus in Luke one, like he was a very thorough historian <laughs> uh, to recount the life of Jesus and the the story of the early church. So there's no reason he wasn't well educated on Jewish history and um, and the Old Testament. And as a believer in Jesus, I he would have had great interests in the scriptures, which at the time was the Old Testament. So, you know, I'm not saying that just because there's lots of, you know, allusions to the temple and lots of Jewish theology, that that means Luke couldn't have written it. But it is, you know, a letter written to Jewish people steeped in the Old Testament, like like very deep familiarity with the Old Testament, kind of seems to indicate that there was a Jewish author. Like we, we've kind of, I think mentioned that towards the beginning. Um, but, but yeah, so, so I, I, I probably wouldn't, you know, I don't, I don't know enough ab- about the ins and outs of why someone would, you know, if it, I guess what I'm trying to say is it seems to me more likely if it was Luke, that it was something like he was translating something Paul had written or, or he was, you know, taking down, ideas that weren't his but he was kind of putting his own you know maybe 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 he like put together the final draft of something that paul had had written the outline for something you you know like that seems to kind of fit and it is interesting that going all the way back to origin this idea of it sounds like paul but it doesn't sound like paul you know (laughs) like yeah um kind of you know gives him even even way back as early as origin this idea that somebody wrote down something that they were remembering coming from a different teacher so that which 
also might maybe make sense of how the name got lost, you know, because Mm -hmm. it doesn't identify the author. If it was technically, you know, two authors at different times and it was kind of like, you know, didn't it wasn't like a very straightforward. I'm going to sit down and write a letter to these people. Dear so and so, this is so and so send it off like it's it would be kind of hard for the letter, you know, for first Corinthians to show up in Corinth. And people not know who it was, who I mean, who it was from or like to forget. You know, they have this letter sitting in their, you know, church office, but they, oh, I don't remember who wrote this. You know, like it, it, it would make a little more sense if it was sort of, if, if the document of the epistles of the Hebrews sort of came, you know, pen to paper a little bit differently than the other epistles we have. Um, and again, a lot of this is just sort of like things that, that make sense. This is, you know, like I'm not necessarily saying that any of these are like, you know, undeniable evidence that you, you know, can't argue against or whatever, as much as these are just some explanations that, that seem to fit when you think about how just the way the world works and the way life goes and stuff and, and taking into account some of the evidences that we do have. Um, I mean, this was written to churches and to people that were dispersed. This was written to Hebrews who were out probably in the Greek world, not in Jerusalem. So it would make sense if it was, if it had a wide reach as far as you know traveling from church to church yeah maybe that the tradition or whatever did get lost on who actually wrote this so it's certainly plausible yeah um i yeah i think i don't have a lot to say about priscilla and what i mean by that is i I read an article sort of walking through some of the theories of of the author of Hebrews and there was a section talking about some of the arguments that have been put forward for Priscilla and a lot of them were were kind of like detailed technical Greek arguments and and um, very sort of specific things that I just it, it kind of some of it went over my head some of it is just kind of more like in the weeds than I think we really want to get right now um but one thing I do want to highlight is I, I've I've heard that the idea that Priscilla wrote it before quite a lot, but I always thought it was sort of more of a more recent thing um, that it was sort of I'm not saying it was done in bad faith, but since there's so we since we don't know after 2000 years who wrote it, um, it's almost like throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to people who think it was Priscilla because there are, you know, there, there, we don't know who wrote it, like we keep saying. So, um, but, but one thing that really surprised me was apparently even going way back to, to like the 1800s with um, Harnack, who was a really significant biblical scholar in his day, um, historical, critical German uh, Bible scholar. Um, he even puts forward uh, some some reasons that that Priscilla uh, could could likely be the author of Hebrews, which is just surprising at how far back that goes compared to how far back I thought it went, which was like 20 years, not 150 or whatever, you know. So um, it, is, it is kind of cool to think about um, because Priscilla is just a name that is sometimes under the radar, 
I guess depending on on who you are or, or what topic you're you're sort of discussing, but she shows up quite a bit in the in the New Testament. Like there there are a few of these like side characters that don't get a lot of time in terms of you know stories that center on what they're doing or saying, but come up a lot in terms of people referencing them or acknowledging them and in, in, in their greetings and. Priscilla is one of those of those people who was was clearly a very significant uh, minister and worker and member of the church of Paul, the church, you know, a, a co-laborer with Paul, he says. And, um, you know, there's that, you know, on, on the there's there's no reason to say that couldn't have happened. <laughs> um but that that's that's about as far as I really have to to talk about Priscilla specifically, because um, I just I'm just not super familiar with with the the detailed reasonings. Um, one thing that, that would I, be really interesting though, because it'd be yeah. the only female book that we know of too within all of scripture. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. Um, and I, yeah, I know that the, one of the things that Harnack said was he you know he he referenced the the list in Hebrews 11 of, uh, you know, like the hall of faith or whatever people yeah. call it. Um, the cloud there, of witnesses. Or whatever. There's like, I, I, there, there's a few references to, to women specifically. And then he compares that to in, in the, the apocryphal book, the wisdom of, of, uh, uh, the wisdom of Sirach. There's a list of great men of faith from scripture, but they're all men. Hmm. Um, interesting and the author of the article i was reading kind of pushes back against that and says like well you know that's not necessarily you know that doesn't necessarily indicate that priscilla wrote it but but th this idea of the sort of like highlighting the the feminine heroes kind of indicates that a woman or a man who was closely associated or influenced by a woman, which Priscilla worked with her husband Aquila. So, you know, um, and then, and then there's, there's also just some other things around, around that, 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 like I said, I don't want to repeat myself, but I'm just going to leave it <laughs> there the because, because it's, it's uh, getting beyond what I'm, you know, equipped to, to share faithfully. So <laughs> we'll kind of end that there, but I don't know if you have anything else, to add to like the idea of Priscilla specifically. Um, or, no, not really. Yeah. Um, the other, the other big one, at least I think, I think really the only other like biggest one would be Apollos. Right. 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 So um, I, I mean, yeah. I have reasons that I think it's Apollos, but I, I first want to, like I said, I mentioned there are a couple things that I think are major knocks against the idea of it being Paul. And it helps me transition into who I think it is. So I'm going to present those to you. Uh, so the book of Hebrews, as we've kind of said, um, and if you, again, if you recall, when we talked about Bible translations, I mentioned how the CSB um, bolds um, Old Testament references. So when it's, when it's quoting the Old Testament, it'll be in bold text. The book of Hebrews extensively quotes the Old Testament. If you have a CSB translation, or if you have a translation that makes it really obvious and apparent, what is a quote? It is all over every page. So Paul, as we know, was a Pharisee. He would have been very familiar with the scriptures, but especially in the original Hebrew language. Um, 
in other letters, so in, in Romans and Ephesians, Galatians, when Paul quotes the text of scripture, he quotes the Masoretic text, which is the original Hebrew. But, or, or, or I should say he paraphrases it. It's not always a direct quote, but it's, it's always quoting the Masoretic text. However, all the quotes in Hebrews are taken out of the Septuagint, which is the Greek Old Testament, which again, does not necessarily say it wasn't Paul, but it would be inconsistent with what we have from Paul's other writings. So in, in let's just say all of the other letters that Paul has written, he is quoted extensively from the Hebrew translation of the Old Testament. And then he just decides in Hebrews that like, okay, I'm going to quote the Septuagint to the Hebrew people. Like, it just seems counterintuitive that like when he's writing to Gentiles, he would use the Hebrew, but when he's writing to Hebrews, he would use the Greek. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems kind of like counterintuitive um, or maybe even just inconsistent. So I think that's like a big compelling reason to think that Paul didn't write the letter to the Hebrews. Uh, but the thing that I find uh, the most convincing is actually something that we find in Hebrews itself. Uh, so Paul was an apostle uh, who claimed to receive his revelations directly from the Lord Jesus. So you could look at 1 Corinthians 11.23, Galatians 1.12. But Paul pretty frequently argues for his apostleship, right? I think that's at least fair to say. But the writer of Hebrews specifically says that he was taught by an apostle. So if you read uh, Hebrews 2.3, uh, it, it says uh, basically the gospel was confirmed to us by those who heard the Lord announce salvation. So if you, I'll, I'll just pull out my my Bible real quick, since I have it, I'll, I'll read what Hebrews exactly two, three says in this. So when I, when I, when I mentioned how I, I had given like the intro to Hebrews, I didn't even know that part, but I remember coming to Hebrews two, three, and I even have it notated in here. Like it, that seems like he's saying that he heard the gospel. He heard this message from somebody who is, well, he heard it from an apostle, meaning he himself is not an apostle. Uh, but Hebrews two, three, how we escape if we neglect such a great salvation. This salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So to me, anyway, that, that seems to be a really compelling case for somebody other than Paul. Um, because as, as, as I said, Paul all over the New Testament argues for his own apostleship, for his having received what he knows from the Lord um, and having others confirm that as well. So it just seems strange for Paul to use this sort of language that the, this message of salvation would have been heard um, or confirmed to us. So there's a group of people speaking of Hebrew, Hebrew people, which again, to me, makes me think it would be a Hebrew writer, not so maybe arguing against the Luke authorship. Um, but this was confirmed to us by those who heard the Lord announce salvation. Um you know, the, the, the apostle, the, Paul always made the point that even though he wasn't one of the 12 who walked with Jesus during his earthly life, he was nonetheless an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he almost always identified himself as such. Go read the intro to uh, Romans. Go read the intro to Galatians and Colossians. He'll say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. 
Uh, but it seems unlikely that Paul would hear in, in Hebrews 2, 3, refer to himself as simply someone who received the gospel from those who heard the Lord. Um, so those two things, like how the old, how the Old Testament is mentioned or how it's quoted, whether in Hebrew or Greek, and then this textual evidence of Hebrews 2, 3, to me, are strong indicators that it wasn't Paul. So if it wasn't Paul, you kind of have to ask, who was it? And I am somebody personally, and so this is, you know, now that we're kind of descending out of this, uh, I personally think that Apollos was the author to the book of Hebrews. Am I going to like stake my life savings on it? Certainly not. Am I going to like care that Lucas probably thinks it's somebody else or that anybody else might think it's somebody else? Not really. Like it's fun to talk about these things at the end of the day. Like it, it matters, but it doesn't matter who wrote this. What matters is the message that's communicated in the letter. Uh, but here's some of the evidence uh, that, or I guess some of the things that we know about Apollos from scripture that to me help lend evidence, lend justification for why I think he authored this. Uh, so Apollos was from Alexandria, uh, but he traveled a lot with Paul and around the world that Paul also traveled. So Acts 18, 24. Uh, he was taught by Paul's companions, Priscilla and Aquila, as we mentioned them earlier, also Acts 18. Uh, Paul knew Apollos personally and encouraged him in his ministry, 1 Corinthians 16, 12. Uh, he was a highly educated Alexandrian uh, who would have been schooled in the literary style exemplified by Hebrews. And as a Jewish believer, he would have a thorough knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures in their Greek version that the book of Hebrew exclusively uses. Um, so again, being from Alexandria, um, from the from outside of Israel, but still a, a Jew, so would have been educated in most likely languages outside of Hebrew, even if he knew Hebrew. Um, also, Apollos was a great defender of the faith. Uh, he vigorously refuted um, opposing Jews in a public debate uh, improving from the Old Testament that Jesus was the Messiah, Acts 18, 28. Uh, he eventually became as influential as the apostles Paul and Peter, because, you know, th there's that uh, in 1 Corinthians 1, 12. Um, but Paul writes in Corinthians, basically, how there's these arguments about like, uh, you know, I follow Apollos, I follow Peter, I follow Paul. And Paul basically has to say like, no, you follow Christ, you know, imitate, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ, but you're, you're not an apostle. Paulus follower. You're not a Pauline follower. You are a, a Christ follower, a Christian. Um, so at, at some point, at least, P Apollos garnered a following, whether it was just because he was an influential pastor or deacon or whatever we want to call him. Uh, but he was influential enough that like there were people that considered themselves, you know, disciples of Apollos, so to speak. Um, so those are just some of the things that we find in scripture about Apollos, who he was, his character, um, his knowledge, his his influence. And so to me, when we consider the fact that I don't think Paul wrote it, um, and I think about what are some of the traits that would be required for somebody to write it, Apollos to me seems to fit the bill pretty well. Uh, maybe not in every way, but in a lot of ways, I think he does seem like a, a pretty good, at least a pretty good candidate. And like you said, there are some people in scripture who don't have, you know, high profile action, you know, the Peters, the Pauls, the Marys, to, <laughs> um, you know, those those types of people. Um, but there, there are some who are mentioned quite a bit that fly under the radar, but who also have a really big 
significant influence, especially in the early church. Um, so to me, again, when we consider um, how ornate, how how stylistically um, beautiful the, the letter to the Hebrews is, uh, I, I'm personally convinced that uh, that Apollos was the author, though, again, I'm not going to, uh, you know, fight any fights to the death about it. <laughs> that's really, yeah, that's, that's, um, seems like a pretty thorough case. I think the, the, the verse in, in uh, Hebrews two, three is, is very interesting um, I hadn't. That's re- the one that really tripped me up. Yeah. I, at, for, I didn't care for a long time. I was like, I don't know. I think it's maybe Paul. It seems like it could be. But that verse, I was like, oh, man. Yeah. I, I don't think I really ever noticed that until. When what? Like just a couple weeks ago, even. I think you mentioned it when we fl- floated the we idea. We had a conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah. When we, when we talked about doing this episode. And I had never. I mean, I've read Hebrews. I don't know how many times. But I had never noticed that or or at least connected the dots in terms of something like this. So that that's, that's really interesting Um, to sort of wrap up, I guess I would say, uh, you know, again, I also will not, I'm not interested in fighting anyone about this or (laughs) staking any life savings on it. Um, But I do, I do think, you know, having thought about this, you know, more than I ever really have before, in, in preparing for this and having heard over the years, you know, some people say this, some people say that, whatever, um, just kind of like piecing it all together and taking a look at some of the, um, some of the pieces of evidence that we have both internally with what the text says, the language it uses, and also externally. I, I think if I, if I were asked, I would say that I do think Paul wrote it. Hmm. Um, I, do, I, I do think, you know, I'll kind of work backwards. So starting with sort of the tradition, it's not a universal tradition, like we said. It's not this overwhelming witness, like infant baptism, to something that everybody <laughs> believed and practiced and did and, you know, continues and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it is a very common view that, you know, becomes more common, it seems, at least in terms of you can hold a common view and be wrong, bud. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. That's uh, all I'll say. Um, it is a very common view that seems to pick up steam as time goes on. You know, it seems to sort of right. um, go from being more of a diverse view of opinions to becoming kind of more and more people just kind of agree it's Paul. And then kind of, you know, in more recent few hundred years, like, the questions have sort of been raised again. So not a universal sort of, uh, you know, witness. Um, but it is interesting that to me that it, you know, Paul is probably the, the individual person person who has the most guesses that he is the one, not that everybody always thought it was or that there aren't other people, but just that, you know, Paul probably has more votes than Apollos, Clement, Barnabas, Timothy, Priscilla, you know, just, Maybe even combined. Maybe, yeah, maybe, I have no idea. But point is, there's that. Internally, he wrote a lot of, you know, most of the New Testament, <laughs> um, particularly the sort of, I guess, quote unquote, straightforward 
doctrinal books, if we could kind of, you know, like, I'm, I'm here to teach you something, you know, um, not not to say that he ever sat down and was just like, oh, I'm going to answer this theological question. You know, he, he was he was pastoring. He was writing to churches that had questions or concerns or were suffering or were engaged in some kind of doctrinal struggle or moral struggle. You know, like like it was obviously very rooted in what was going on in the churches, but also he is where we get a lot of our most important sources for really um, big ways of formulating our doctrine, right? Um, and Hebrews certainly seems to me to fit that mold of in terms of what it's doing. You know, he's addressing the needs of, he or she is addressing the needs of a group of people or groups of people that are suffering, they're being imprisoned, they're being persecuted, and as a result, a lot of them are sort of falling away back into Judaism in order to avoid that persecution and alleviate that that suffering or, or, or try and, um, you know, they're, they're sort of being pushed back into that through their circumstances. And what does he do? He addresses it with this unbelievably rich, you know, theological exposition of, of where the history of God's relationship with his people, the Jews, fits into the full revelation of God in Christ, right? Great. Amazing book. It, you know, it circulates as as the New Testament comes together into like a cohesive unit. It circulates in a couple of different places that are that are both, we'll say, next to Paul, you, you know, even if it's not necessarily inserted like right smack dab in the middle of all the Pauline letters. Um, it's not at the end of the New Testament, you know, it, it, or something like that. Um, and um, if we if we look at the at the more of the sort of micro level things, um, it does seem, you know, Paul was certainly a highly educated, highly skilled orator. Um, or, or maybe not, maybe I shouldn't say orator, but maybe I, sh- I should just say rhetorician. Um, he references in, I think it's f- first Corinthians. He references how the Corinthians are like, oh, he's so powerful in his letters, but he's so weak. And when he's here <laughs> in, in speech or whatever. So like he obviously had the linguistic rhetorical skill, um, but he wasn't some kind of, sophist who was trying to you know just trick people with his word you you know like that wasn't so um there's that so he certainly had the skill um and then the other thing is if if hebrews is as i've often heard it said is a is it or was a sermon that was either written down later or that was a manuscript for a sermon or, or i don't know how he how he preached or whatever um that might help explain why there's no ep- epistolary greeting, because right. it if it we, we keep calling it the epistle to the Hebrews, if it wasn't originally an epistle, it's not going to be written as if it was an epistle, right? Um, yeah. And that could help explain that. And then that could also maybe, you know, this kind of goes both ways. Like, if the Corinthians say his speech is really weak compared to his writing, then why would he break out the big guns for this sermon? <laughs> you know, that that's fair. Yeah. But it might also point to why he's maybe 
speaking a little less firmly on his apostleship. If he's saying more of a like he's he's in the church, you know, he's he's in this congregation preaching to them, proclaiming the gospel. He's more like the faith was delivered to us by those who heard. I don't remember mm. the exact quote, but but you know, um, like the to us, like he maybe he's including himself with like I can see. I I don't yeah, think sure. that it's illogical to say I'm not you know this is not a nail in the coffin or anything like that but just like it's 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 conceivable that he would speak in such a way that he would write that line even though he in fact is an apostle you know hmm. um yeah that's a little again it goes both ways you know um as far as the the Septuagint versus Hebrew source for Old Testament quotes if he's writing slash preaching to Hellenistic Jews, then he probably would want to quote the, the Septuagint and because that's their Bible, right? Well, why wouldn't he have used the same one to Gentiles who it would have made no difference to? Because if it would have made no difference and he's a Pharisee. So oh, maybe okay. you yeah. like we, we talked, I think when we talked about Bible translations, I wouldn't give an NASB like I, I I've done this before and I wish I didn't, but I, <laughs> I wouldn't preach out of an NASB mm. to just any congregation that I was preaching before. But if I'm preparing a sermon, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to maybe not exclusively, but I'm going to use the NASB in my preparations. Um, and if I'm, you know, if Paul's writing a letter to Corinth, or to Rome, where there are certainly Jewish believers, but mostly Gentile believers. Um, remember, the Hebrew Bible quotes are still in Greek. He, the the right. letter's still written. So he's translating uh, or, or paraphrasing or summarizing, you know, whatever verse he, whatever prophecy or verse he's, he's referencing. So it's in Greek, you know what I mean? But maybe he's getting up there in a sermon or writing a letter to Hebrew, you know, a specifically Hebrew audience who do know the, the Old Testament, um, but they're Greek speaking Jews, you know. Um, and and I mean, I, you know, at this point, I'm just speculating. But, oh, he wants to he wants to, to connect with, the, you know, this is all about the fulfillment of the old covenant and the new. So he wants to connect with them in in, in the the version of the Bible that they grew up in the synagogue hearing and memorizing. I'm totally making that up. I have no idea <laughs> if that has holds any that's, water whatsoever. It could though. Um, yeah. That's the thing. But, but it could, it could. So that's why like it, you know, I'm not sitting here like hearing all of these really good points you're making and explaining very clearly and just being like, yeah, that's really good, but I'm just going to ignore that. Like it's, I, I would, I would say, the internal evidence is ambiguous enough because there's very little <laughs> that um, it, I, I do kind of concur with origin mm. and I'm not familiar with the Greek of the book of Hebrews, but in terms of, it does sound like Paul's ideas, <laughs> you know, and, and maybe it was written down by somebody else later. Does that technically mean Paul's the author? You know, no, but, but like, it, it seems like the most, like I said, with Occam's razor a while ago, it just seems like in some ways we could maybe think of it as the simplest answer as opposed to somebody else who 
we have no other writings from or no, no other reference to writings of them. Not that I don't think people like Timothy or Apollos or Barnabas wrote things ever. I'm sure they did. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I would just kind of land on Paul because nothing else seems so compelling that I have to believe it. Right. And so because of that, it's like, well, if I can more or less pick from a variety of possibilities, this one seems like the quote unquote safest bet. Um, but again, even some of the reasons I gave, it really just kind of depends on which side you look at it from as, you know, does the, does the flower or, you know, flowery, I don't know if it's full. Does the, does the sophisticated style point to Paul or away from Paul? Well, I guess it kind of depends on how you think about it. You know, does the right. does the Septuagint point to Paul writing or speaking to Hebrews or away from Paul writing or speaking to Hebrews? Well, you could you could push either way, I think, on that. So I definitely think that there's a lot of um which which is why this is a question that hasn't been answered, despite literally close to, you know, I mean, we have origin speculating about it. That's really <laughs> early, you know, like, yeah, very um, early. so it, it, it is, it is fun to think about because it is such a, an unanswerable question <laughs> that kind of, that kind of adds to the, to the fun of it. Um, and it's also a fairly low stakes debate. It's very, very low stakes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I, yeah. I held my big guns till the end. So th- these are my oh, big, for sure. I, I, you know, you've, you've been ramping up, I would say to the end. No, right? no. I know I'm you're saying this, this. You're about to like blow right. me away. I, I'm sure, but no, no, I'm not. This is my big guns. Paul had his moment. He's got most of the New Testament. <laughs> I just want it to be somebody other than Paul. Like I, I like the idea, whether it's Priscilla, Apollos, or Barnabas. Like just somebody who hasn't written in the New Testament yet. Just, just for the sake of like being somebody different. Like. I joked about big guns. I already used my biggest guns. That's just like <laughs> that that part of me. I want it to be somebody else. It, if someday I find out that it is Paul, I'll be happy to learn that it was Paul. Um, you know, if we find some sort of crazy excavation of some old source that like, you know, nail in the coffin, it was Paul. That's awesome. If If it's in glory and I walk up to Apollos and he's like, I wrote that, like, awesome like whatever whatever it is i at the end of the day and maybe this is my big guns uh the holy spirit was the divine author you know we know that all of scripture is god breathed theo neustos it it, it, it's not that again it's not that the person was so overcome that they were just a mindless robot uh, but the spirit worked through the writing of men and or women and revealed god's very will and word for humanity and this Man, we've had we've had conversations about what's your favorite chapter of the Bible, uh, what's your favorite verse of the Bible. If I was going to pick a favorite book, Hebrews is up there. It's definitely top five, maybe top two, and it's a beautiful book. It is so Christological. That's what's so beautiful about it, um, and and the message that's communicated. Even though we don't know who put the physical pen or physical quill or whatever they were using to the paper, uh, we know that the Spirit uh, has used this book in many, many ways. And we'll continue to use this book in many, many ways. And that's the point. Like who wrote it as a addendum to 
human ingenuity, but the, that's not the, the reason we read scripture to read just some other human writing. So unless you have anything else, we will close with a word of prayer. Let's do it. All right. This comes from the letter to the Hebrews, uh, quite fittingly. This is the, the benediction and farewell starting in 1320. Now may the God of peace who brought up the, de- who brought up from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Sweet. We went a lot longer than I thought we would on this one. Yeah, that's, I like it though. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for listening, especially if you made it through this slightly longer episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, Please hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Doxology Podcast or shoot us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, ideas for future topics, uh, future episodes we can do, who you think wrote Hebrews. Um, we'd love to hear from you Almost. for any and all of that and anything else you think you want to shoot our way. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Later.